0: Every once in a while, things come together for a city's music scene. Demographics, economics, politics, social issues, they all collide just right in a completely unforeseen, unsuspected, fractalish sort of way to create something very, very special. And then there's the final component getting people on the outside to pay attention and recognize that, yes, something really cool is happening in a particular city. Then the outsiders, the non belongers, start evangelizing. Over the decades, this bit of rock and roll fairy dust has descended upon Cleveland, Memphis, New York, London, Toronto, Montreal, Austin, Seattle, and a few other lucky places. This time, though, I want to talk about Manchester, a formerly dark, dismal, decrepit industrial city that one travel writer picked as one of the 12 worst cities to visit in the entire world. Musically, though, well, that's kind of a different story. And this story has been told many times in books and films about Manchester bands like Joy Division and The Smiths and Oasis, along with feature movies like 24-Hour Party People. But this is going to be different. I have with me someone who was there, someone who was right in the middle of it all, all the craziness of the Manchester era of the late 80s and early 90s. What you're about to hear is what really happened from someone who frankly made it all happen. This is an oral history of Manchester, Part One. This is the ongoing history of new music podcast with Alan Cross. This is Gaz Whelan. He's the former drummer with Manchester's Happy Mondays.
1: Manchester's a difficult place to explain. It's uh, it's the second city in England. Without doubt. and it's a city that's. You, I know this is really, but can I give you a couple of quotes just to yes, get to people a I've just read a couple of quotes I picked up that are great, and it's uh, Mark Twain wrote, which is my favourite. I would like to live in Manchester. The transition between life and death would be unnoticeable. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was uh, Anthony Burgess who wrote *Clockwork Orange*. London always was and always will be a day behind Manchester in the arts and in common commercial cunning. And then, uh, and it's like J.B. Peace about what, what England thinks, what Manchester thinks today, England thinks tomorrow. You know, it's 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 kind of a even though it's not it's not London, it's always at the front, especially with with arts and cultural ideas. <laughs>
0: Stone Roses from their brilliant debut record from 1989, that's She Bangs the Drums, one of the great songs of the so-called Madchester era in Manchester, England, in the late 80s and early 90s. Hello again, I'm Alan Cross, and although the whole Madchester thing happened more than 20 years ago, we're still feeling the aftershocks. No Madchester, no Britpop. That means no Blur or Oasis. No Britpop, no current bands like Coldplay or Kaiser Chiefs or Franz Ferdinand or Arctic Monkeys. And this is why it's still worth looking back on this time in British musical history. And rather than have me explain what went on, I have with me Gaz Whelan, the former drummer for the Happy Mondays. Along with the Stone Roses and the Inspiral Carpets, the Mondays formed the trinity of Manchester bands. And Gaz was there. And man, the stories. For many, many years, Manchester was this industrial city in decline, but mm-hmm. then the middle seventies come along and, you know, the buzzcocks show up and the sex pistols play the lesser tr- free trade hall. That mm-hmm. famous show, which... Bob
1: Dylan, one of the buzzcocks, your pistols on you. Yeah. Everyone yeah. was
0: there. You weren't there.
1: No, I wasn't, well, I was, no, I was in nappies. I wasn't, uh, in diapers. I wasn't there. No,
0: <laughs> it seems that there were 49 people there yeah, whatever. And,
1: everyone said they were there. Yeah. Um,
0: but then, uh, you know, Tony Wilson founds factory records mm-hmm. and then we get, you know, joy division and everything that comes after that. Then I guess we move into the early 80s and the Smiths established themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then that was it for a while in Manchester, wasn't it?
1: It was Liverpool. Liverpool had all the best bands in. It was uh, Echo and the Bunnymen, uh, Teardrop Explodes, Mighty White. It was all Liverpool. So we used to go And a lot of Joy Division, they used to play over in Liverpool quite a lot. Liverpool, Erics was the the venue. But all the Liverpool bands were, were kind of storming the charts and they were like the main bands.
0: And everybody thought that it was the second coming of the Beatles.
1: Well, yeah, that's kind of Liverpool. Liverpool's always like that. Bands are always kind of second coming to Liverpool. I mean, that, you know, they're fa- you kind know, one of my favorite bands, and, you know, as long as the Beatles. So, kind of, Liverpool's got that, they've, they've kind of cornered that sound.
0: So, what happened towards the end of the 80s when we began to see bands? I guess there was 808 State, there was the Stone Roses, and everything that came before them, um, Spiral Carpets,
1: and then you guys, the Happy Mondays. Well, it was, it, started, it kind of first started with about 87. Uh, with the they had a tenth summer kind of celebration factory, and it was kind of the third, the car the, they the it the second summer of love. So it lasted for three summers, 87, 88, 89. and it started. Uh, Manchester's always been musically uh, the heritage, like we're from Northern Soul. You know, I think it was, uh, Richard Branson said Manchester kids always have the best record collections. I don't know how he knows; he's never signed the Manchester band in his life. But <laughs> you know, uh, Point taken. and they've always had these uh, the, these kind of. Like Northern Soul was—you're probably not familiar with Northern Soul—but it's like this this massive movement in the in the seventies of um, soul artists, Motown and Stax records that never made it, and kids in 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 Manchester and and uh, sorry, in towns uh, in Blackpool and Blackpool and Wigan and such bought these records and made them huge stars. there's this massive mu- movement, uh, huge. It's just, just a, what's a film called? It's just, it's just a movie just come soulbite Soul Boys. Boy. The movie just can't Soul Boy. kind of uh, which is about that. So there's always been these movies in Manchester, and then 87, this Summer of Love happened, and then... And that was that was a rave and, and well, dance thing, right? Well, well Detroit, De, De, Detroit and Chicago music app that kind of started going, went over to the UK, started... The house music started playing in the UK. They went to London. There's a, there's a place in London, a gay club called Heaven, we used to go down to on a Wednesday night, and they would play it. And then Manchester Asiena was playing it first. And then they kind of, they, the DJs came over from uh, Detroit, Frankie Knuckles and such, and uh, they played London. It was empty. They played it, and they went to Man. They didn't want to go to Manchester. They wanted to go straight home. But they said, they were told the flight was for Manchester. They had to go, and they got there, and it was there were lines around the block, queue around the block. It was packed, and it became massive. And that's when it was playing lots of hip-hop and dance and soul, and then and then acid house music. Well, it wasn't acid house, then uh, house music. And it was packed, and we were all listening to it. And then ecstasy came along and completely changed everything. And that was, I mean, it, you know, it was so important.
0: Before we go any further, let me play you an example of the kind of music that Gaz is talking about. This was a huge northern soul hit in the middle 1960s. The singer is Gloria Jones... <laughs> but I think you probably know a different version of the song. Sometimes I feel I've got to run away, I've got to get away from the pain. You
1: drive into the heart of me, the love we share.
0: Gloria Jones with the kind of mid-60s soul music that found a home in places like Manchester and Liverpool. But there was also another ingredient in the whole Manchester thing. 3,4-methylene-dioxy-metaamphetamine, MDMA for short, or more commonly, ecstasy. Let's get back to Gaz and the story of a guy named Bez. Legend has it, at least on this side of the Atlantic, that Bez was the guy that introduced ecstasy into your scene.
1: No, not really. He was... It was the only place you could get it. Then was was I, I, I used to have a gay night called Nude Night or a Beef Night, and the gay nights was was where it was all about. So all, all, all the gay was where ecstasy was around. It wasn't, you know. So that's when you could get. So, but we have a gay village in Manchester. People used to go there because it was safer. So the gay nights weren't just gay, it was probably 80% gay, 20% people just going to parties. because it was Hacienda and you know, so, so that's where that's where it all started and then you have know, to say that Bez introduced not not really Bez has always been a you know he was a couple of years above me at school and he was always been a bit of a loose cannon <laughs> you know his dad was a cop you know and uh he was always rebelled he's always been you know he's always been anti-establishment but as, as for introducing us to that no no he kind of introduced himself to everything oh but you know no no not really no it was no no not really everyone he was just everywhere you know and it, but it all came in that, that one that one summer, didn't
0: it? It was just, all of a sudden, ecstasy was there. Everybody it, was dropping
1: E. Well, as soon as, soon as all the kind of straight kids started buying it, 30, 30 quid at the time, about $50 at the time, which was expensive, you know, it was that was the place to go. So the gay nights, it moved to Thursday night, which was the student night, which moved to... Every, the student night ended because everyone was going in just to get ecstasy from the gay nights, and it kind of overflowed, and it just built up, so every night became this, this, like straight gay I now mean, with lots of ecstasy and then it kind of just spread
0: there's also another story about a particular place in the hacienda under the stairway yeah
1: where yeah. you you lot the, used to hang the out the corner used to call it the corner yeah the mad corner yeah yeah where i met my wife yeah when i met i met Vanessa there. So they're still still together now and that's 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 ecstasy for you
0: <laughs> <laughs> so and and that was where you would uh Entertain your friends?
1: No, everyone. It was just a mad. the whole club was like, it was like something out of you know, you see that, uh, what's, what's the Clint Eastwood I mean. film with the pigeon told orange, orange Peel, that club is it? Uh, what's the movie? It's a bit where he's chasing some hippie through this club and it's like the pigeon told Orange Peel with, and that's exactly what it was like. I can't remember which, which film it is anyway. It was just madness. It was just everywhere. It wasn't, no, it wasn't the car. The stage in the Ascender was like, it was like a it was it was kind of set back in the walls, so it was like cut out like a picture frame and then that was the stage was full of kids and every it was just full of people, it was just full. Everyone completely, you know, it was like Sodom and Gomorrah. It well, was the, great. 87,
0: 88, 89, the
1: DJ became the star. Well it did, yeah, the DJs became well Exodus became the star really. The DJs kinda of did, but it was and it was all of a sudden kids that people that weren't really into uh, drugs or partying—it suddenly it was just everywhere. Everyone was, you know, everyone. I mean, I, you know, alcohol was always my poison, but this came along and I, it just completely changed me.
0: So, how did Manchester go from being this DJ-oriented, ecstasy-oriented sort of scene to blossoming with? You know the Holy Trinity of, of, of Manchester bands you guys the Stone Roses and Spiral Carpets I mean how did, how did the, where did the bands come back into the because, picture
1: because the, we were already in bands and that's what we played so we'd listen to dance music but we wouldn't play dance music so obviously it filtered into what we were doing but we didn't play we never thought Manchester's a kind of one of cities that if you try to do something like you're not you'll get shot down straight away so if you're in a band and then you, you start taking ecstasy and listening to dance music and then your band suddenly starts making dance music you'd get, you'd get kicked out of the city so we carried on doing what we were doing it just kind of filtered through. It was bizarre because it kind of listened to one type of music but played another. And the Stone Roses, we kind of we didn't really see them. They were they were kind of come, came a couple of years later. They were on the they were a different kind of scene. They were doing their own thing.
0: Well, they were the more psychedelic uh, '60s oriented.
1: They were really into that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and same thing, I guess, with the Carpets. They they because they had the Farfisa organ and they, they had more of a '60s vibe. But, mm. but the Mondays were completely and entirely unique. Um, I remember hearing, you know, something from from the first album for the first time. Maybe it was maybe even 24-hour party people. Mm. And uh, thinking, you guys didn't sound like anything.
1: I know, and that was just because we were crap. (laughs) 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 You know, we were in a it's like you know we listen to all sorts it's like it's like now. we listen to everything we listen to you know it was like we'd, we'd listen to Johnny Cash and us, it'd be Johnny Cash it'd be Sly and the Family Stone it'd be Sex Pistols it'd be you know Grand Parsons it'd be the band it'd be Willie Nelson it'd be you know Stones Beatles you know everything we just listened to everything we didn't try to be anyone because we couldn't be we weren't, we weren't good enough this, this explains
0: why there's such a, a good groove with a lot of Manchester bands because you were listening to the dance music
1: so, black music and soul music is really important in Manchester, and I don't and I don't know why Liverpool. Manchester, Liverpool, you, you got a lump together because that's where the docks, where the first music came in in the fifties from America. The docks were there. Yeah, Manchester's an inland inland port, and they got the music first. So, that them, them two cities have always been kind of always been the best two cities for music, without a doubt. Liverpool bands totally go for the melody, the Beatles thing. And where Manchester, music, every even Manchester punk bands like listen to some buzzcock stuff. They've got you know groove. You know, they've got soul music, and soul soul music, black music, has been really important in Manchester, and I don't, I don't know why it hasn't in Liverpool. Well, there was a a, a,
0: a lot of soul in the groove of of, of the Mondays. Um,
1: in but, all Manchester music, in now, it even st- it's, it's funny, I was reading something recently about uh, one of the first reviews of Oasis, and it was saying what was even though they were lo- they were professional Mancunians, as they call them, stereotypical Mancunians, they had the one thing that was different that they didn't have any soul. You know, they had no soul music, black music, influencing him, which was unusual for Manchester bands.
0: That's Gaz Whelan, the former drummer for the Happy Mondays, talking about what it was like in the early days of the whole Madchester scene. We'll get him back here in a second with more insider stories as we push on with this oral history of Madchester. This is part one of an oral history of Manchester, that scene in the late 80s and early 90s in Manchester, England, that still has a lot to answer for. Telling the stories is Gaz Whelan, a guy who was there as the drummer for the Happy Mondays. Let's talk about them for a bit, shall we? So,
1: Monday's formed when? 80? 80... We formed 82 when I was still... Oh, I was still at school. I was still really young. And nothing yeah. really happened for years, did it? Uh, what well, was really funny about... No, because the difference between between the UK and North America, with bands is, is in the UK, you form a band, then learn your instruments. Where in north america you learn your instruments and you form a band that i mean i don't know that's, that's generalizing but you know so we we were just learning our instruments and learning what you know what we were doing uh but i think probably about 85 85 major record labels started coming up we sent cassettes off and that's how long ago it was and they came up and they were like what's your image and we was like well this is how we dress and I was like well what you wearing trainers and, and you know we're getting images like you know, we're not wearing, you know, this is how we, uh, they wanted to, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't budge, it was like, no chance, this is what we're doing. When Tony Wilson saw us, it's like, oh, love it, you've got no image, that's your, that's your image, you know.
0: Well, it was between that and, and, and Sean's lyrics.
1: And Sean, so, but there's no unusual in Manchester, because they're kind of, you know, uh, you've, you listen to uh, Mark e. Smith in the fall, or you listen to John Cooper Clark, and, you know, mm. they're very kind of, you know. Cerebral. Uh, yeah, uh, what, they what was the one of the reviews? Was great. It was uh, "Hot Knife" street lyrics or something like kind of thing, you know? So it, they, they weren't unusual, though. They were great, you know. "Stuck a piece of crap in a butcher's hat" was one of my favourites. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, <laughs> I don't know to, uh, um, so it was just. And I think when we went on Factory, there was a lot of by the Long coat Brigade on Factory. Like, mm, you know, mm, not them. You know, they look not like football hooligans. They just like football hooligans. They not you know, they don't fit in with us. But at the same time, we'd go play around the country, and these and Fatsh had a great cult following. They'd come and watch us just to, just out of interest, you know.
0: Well, that whole image with with the with the trainers in regular shirt, uh, shirts, mm. you know, that becomes the foundation for lad culture mm. that comes along ten
1: years later. Yeah, but we've been doing it for years, and we've started in the eighties, started in Liverpool and on in Manchester, and it'd been going for years, and it starts to kind of way. Whenever we used to turn up for gigs, there was no bands that looked like that. We'd turn up for gigs in London and, and around and around the country, and people you could see the the, in, the in-house sounders like what are the bands? What are you dressed like? We'd play a lot of creation bands and rough trade bands, and they'd be all looking at us like what what you know what what's going on? What are these dressed like? What's 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 going on? So where did the baggy
0: pants and the haircuts come from?
1: I don't know whether <laughs> ecstasy probably. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free. Whatever we got free. Yeah. But we, we used to go with Phil Sachs. He uh, had a had a shop. He became our manager, uh, and he was the original Northern Soul DJ. Uh, and he was selling them, and we just and they were these cheap kind of trousers and cards that were flared, and we just kind of. I don't. I don't know. I really don't know. That just happened. It just did.
0: The Happy Mondays and 24-Hour Party People from their 1987 debut record, Squirrel and G-Man, 24-Hour Party People, Plastic Face, Can't Smile, White Out. How was Madchester
1: coined? Where did That in- was coined by uh, two lads from Newcastle, two Jordies, who used to do our videos, and it was just supposed to be for an EP, just for a bit of fun. It was funny, we was in, we was in the studio doing the EP, the uh, Madchester Rave EP, and it was... a. Uh, We had we we was playing the press a couple of tracks one Saturday morning me and me and Paul Ryder and we and we had a couple of tracks we didn't have a title for them and the and the guy was saying well what's it called and we said oh it's just about when we used to go to all these all night warehouse parties and he said what's it called and we was looking through and we couldn't find anything and Paul saw the Buddy Holly album picked the Buddy Holly album up and went oh it's called rave on just for a bit of fun and then the next day the press was like oh this song about all night parties that they call raves and all of a sudden they were called raves it comes from Buddy Holly come on on. really that was that simple yeah that's seriously it comes from Buddy Holly. Yeah, it was really bizarre. Constant somebody ollie. It was just he just on the spot, kind of made up about. And the, the, then they started calling oh, like where else? Parties raves.
0: How much did the press play this up? Because oh, massively, massively. Because they were the press out of out of London was looking for the next big thing.
1: Well, we were big in London before we were big in Manchester. We couldn't get airplay Manchester. We couldn't get. Our the reviews were like. The reviews were they were they don't understand us they didn't get what was going on same with the roses as well and we were filling out smaller venues in london way before manchester really yeah yeah way before that's a great irony probably a good year before see this is what we find so fascinating about uk culture
0: here in north america is that everything is so close together the press takes such an active role in building bands up building scenes up building songs up and tearing them down at the same time
1: uh, and things happen so quickly and the other thing there it's not about it's not about a band it's just not about a band the music's about fashion it's about it's about the city you're from it's about the football team you support it's, it's all kind of it's all the culture it's a class thing so it's a real working class it's a culture thing and it kind of it's like I think what made it really big was when bands like us started doing we used to go to our after the SNN we'd go to these warehouse pies that were being put on by lads who were selling tickets at football matches and, and you know and uh and they, they started putting all like warehouse parties on uh, instead of the students. And then they said, well, instead of doing that, why don't you play live and we'll do it and we'll sell 10,000. We'll go to the big venue and then we'll say, oh, has max 10,000. We were like, oh, we can't sell 10,000. We've only just sold the Acienda out. It it's only 1,500. Oh, we'll do it. And they did, you know.
0: So let's go to eighty We've got the Roses have their first mm. album out, uh, the Spike Island gig, which attracts mm. 30,000 people to this horrible plot of land. It, it, yeah then then I guess ah. the, the UK the London press discovers what's happening there and they start to champion bands like you and, mm. and and uh I I guess it was you, the roses, and the carpets initially.
1: It was just really using the roses, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah, really. It was and it all started at the end of eighty nine when we got on Top of the Pops was I mean you're probably familiar with Top of the Pops and most most people won't hear. Uh, and if you was on Top of the Pops you'd made it. That was a thing as a kid you wanted to be on you, know, you saw Top of the Pops and by pure fluke two independent bands. In them days didn't really make the charts, very few, I think Final and Cannibals, not many. And us and uh, the Roses happened to, to hit the charts at the same time just because of this live, sorry, this live following. Uh, and we're both on the same show. And just because of that, and they screened it in all the pubs in Manchester. And it was like, made become a big night. And uh, that was it, that day after that, that's when he was born, in November 89 or whatever it was, yeah. That Top of the Pops appearance. It was November 23rd, 1989.
0: The Happy Mondays with Hallelujah, the single they performed on Top of the Pops on November the 23rd, 1989. Like Gaz said, the other band on the show was also from Manchester, the Stone Roses, and they performed Fool's Gold. And that week that song went to number eight on the National Singles charts, the highest charting indie song in ages. Madchester had arrived. I'm standing- Stone Roses and Fool's Gold. Back with more from Gaz Whelan in just a sec as we continue with part one of our Oral History of Manchester. This is part one of an Oral History of Manchester, and with me is Gaz Whelan, the former drummer of the Happy Mondays, and a guy who uh, pretty much saw it all. The Mondays really broke through with their third album, Pills and Thrills and Belly Aches. It was November 27, 1990.
1: Yeah, we did that. We did that in LA, and we was away for. We'd, we'd come to the states, we'd come to North America, toured for two months, and then we spent two months there. And it was, <laughs> it was madness. It was great.
0: Where in both places?
1: In 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 LA, when we did the album, yeah, we did it at uh, Capital, right? the, the the studio they did Pet Sounds. in, I found out later, I didn't know at the sounds, t- I didn't know at the time. But it was it was great. The, fir- the first day we, we we started in the studio because uh, Bez came along anyway, because he was just for the vibes, just because he was Bez. <laughs> And uh, we're driving down there. We're getting, we, we stayed up, uh, I can't remember what we stayed, a couple of miles away from the studio over in the hills. And we're getting driven there and we see this, this, this fight on, 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 the, on, the, on the highway in two cars and someone's out of a car and fighting. And we like, oh. get to the studio and we're in there about an hour and Bez comes in, quick, quick, hide, hide, hide the car, the police are chasing me. And he had a crash with someone, got out and he started punching his car. <laughs> and he was in between and he was there across the, the hood of the car and they were fighting, the police were there and he jumped in the car and drove off. It was the first day.
0: Let's just clarify Bez's role on the Mondays. Be- he, what did he do?
1: What you was know his what? job? You know what? He, he was I t- I don't know. He was just... But he was live. He was... We really needed him. You know, he was... He, he kind of brought... Bez I'm lost for words Bez, well, Bez was a couple of years above me at school and he was, he was crazy then he always has been still is I mean I don't, he's in his mid 40s now and he acts, like a, he, he acts like he's still 19 well he you got know. the crap beat out of him recently didn't he I saw, yeah I saw that I mean I, I, don't know what, I don't know what's going on I don't know what's going on with him at the you know what I think I've not seen him for about a year or so I don't know what's going on with him I hope he's okay because you know he's got a good heart Bez he really has he really has got a good heart but he just gets himself into trouble <laughs> but he has he's got a good soul Bez he really has
0: so he was your dancer, he was your vibe-meister, he was your uh, pet.
1: Well, Sean was insecure, so he needed a crook, you know, on stage. You know, before that, we used to get lots... We had He wasn't the first, we got lots of our friends would come up, just come up and dance on stage, or, you know, and, and do that. And and we had a, quite a few people doing it. What do you mean Sean was insecure? Well, he, he's a singer, right? they're all the same, aren't they? They're all insecure, <laughs> aren't they? I'm insecure, my singer, you know. Oh, <laughs> nobody loves me, you know. Uh, I write like the lyrics, you know. You know, like you know, what they like, and uh, but he was, and he because he wasn't a, a you know, a, what you'd call a textbook singer, you know, and he never claimed to be, so he was insecure. So we used to have lots of friends up on stage, and we, we was all insecure. We all like, we all caught we was kind of blagging it. I mean, we could play, but we weren't, you know. So we thought we was blagging it.
0: Really, because I, I remember seeing you guys a bunch of times in the early uh, in the early '90s, and uh, even though I mean you had been on the road for a while, and mm. maybe Sean was taking his medicine. <laughs> At you know the wrong time of the evening.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it all sounded pretty good to me. Well, it was. Well, he's kind of he's a thing into the dark side of, of the drug thing. Came a lot later than than he, he says it did. You know, he was a lot older. It was more towards the end. He wasn't. You know, um, yeah, we were all no, we no, we were fine. But we were kind of at that time when we started. It was all, all the bands were like art school, proper. You know, we, we and we just kind of just went along for the ride.
0: Okay, here's more from the Mondays, and now that we know the story of Bez and his problems with the police, the first 23 seconds of the song makes more sense than it ever did. Monday's with Step On, a song that reached number five on the national British singles charts, a huge accomplishment for an indie band. By the end of 1990, the whole Manchester thing was in full effect. The Mondays, the Roses, the Inspiral Carpets, and others. So quickly we have uh, other bands like, I guess, Mock Turtles, uh, The High, um, and a whole bunch of other bands that are just lumped under the whole Manchester banner. If Mm -hmm. they have that, if they have a little bit of soul in their groove... Mm. And they drop that snare drum mm. like uh, the Blur does
1: in. Mm. Um, yeah, there's, there's no other way. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Automatically. Oh my God! It's a Manchester. It's a great band. tune, out, though. That Blur song. I, I never knew that was them. I actually thought it was a band from Manchester. What I actually thought reason? it was a Mog M- M- tools Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, but yeah, it's a good tune. But, it, but when you actually when you listen to that, it still sounds like Blur, doesn't it? It sounds very Blur yes, still, it does. even yeah. though that's that's really bizarre. Yeah. Even though it sounds very Manchester, it sounds a very Blur. But we weren't aware of the kind of. Cause don't forget, at the time we we were away all the time, so we were kind of one were the eye of the storm. And two, we were away all the time. So when all this was happening in England and in Manchester, we were we weren't there.
0: Thanks to all the press coverage being lavished on what was going on in Manchester, that sound and that influence spread across the country. The farm were actually from Liverpool, but they got lumped in with Manchester. Flowered Up was from Camden Town in London, but they were called Manchester. And like I was just saying with Gaz, Blur, a band from Colchester originally, were thrown on the pile. And if you listen to this song, you can understand why. There was a time in the very early 90s when it seemed that every day brought a great new song from a great new band from Manchester. Okay, so not all the bands were actually from Manchester, but we didn't care. The party was great, and it looked like it would never end. Well, it did, of course. It always does. And on the second half of this look back at Manchester, we'll take a look at where it all went wrong. Gaz Whelan of the Happy Mondays has a lot more insider stories to tell. Technical Productions by Rob Johnston. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts.